Surprise, it's Tuesday, August 10th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Cantwell, and Aaron Bewley. How's it going, Tyler? It's going good, man. Tuesday's different. My schedule works out different. Play with the kids a little different in the mornings, but we're making it work. You play with your kids every morning? Try to. That's one of the upsides of Pandemicville. Since awesome, they're man. not uh, hiking to school these days, we've got a much more flexible start to the day. And so I try to you know, play a board game or some cards or a video game, yeah. depending on what they're in the mood for. The answer is always video games, unless I say no, I'm scared <laughs> of something else, by the way. But uh, yeah, and I think, uh, well, no, I think we're, we're homeschooling this year too. So it looks like we'll get another at least healthy chunk of it until my schedule becomes more normal, assuming it ever does. But yeah. it's pretty awesome. Good, man. It doesn't surprise me that you do that. You're a fantastic dad. Oh, Get to thanks. witness that firsthand a lot. So, um, okay. Today in tech history, I got two of them for you. This is actually yesterday's Today in Tech History. So it would have been Monday, August 9th. Got some, my favorite. some two fun ones. We should just start calling it Guess the Year in <laughs> tech history. Here's the first one. August 9th. The U.S. Patent Office awards patent 608,845 to Rudolf Diesel for his diesel internal combustion engine. Oh, jeez. What year? Diesel engines. Uh, it's got to be late 1800s. Ooh, wow. How late like, in the 1800s? I'm going to go with 1888 to 1894. Oh, man. 1898. Wow. Oh, you, got, so you got a lot closer to that than I thought you would. <laughs> oh well, my we, goodness. We had a, I feel like we had a train one recently where it was like, oh, yeah. okay, apparently California was way further along than I thought. We had done a lot more with trains by then. No, but that was I the know, uh, San Francisco trolley system. Oh, was it? Yes, In yes, the 1800s, yes, it was. Yeah. That's right. And <laughs> I was like, like well, shoot, all right. Uh, so I was basing off that. And then I know diesel engines uh, came well after even... I think it's gas engines, but well, I can't remember if I guess diesel engines. I don't know that they had gas engines uh, before that. Actually, I'll bet they did go mostly from like coal and steam to. Yeah, uh, they were actually invented almost at the same time. The really, gas engine was popular. It was like ten oh, or fifteen years prior in the in the like earlier eighteen hundreds, like eighteen seventy five, eighteen eighty five. Something that like makes that. sense. I mean, gas. it's it's all internal combustion. They're just the fuel is so different that they work differently huh yeah here uh 1876 nicolas august otto patented the otto patented the first four-stroke engine in germany so cool and then and it makes sense that you'd want the diesel would have won out in trains because of some of the advantages that that diesel yeah. has especially at low rpms and then so 1885 it, gottlieb daimler of germany invented the prototype of the modern gasoline engine so, nice yeah cool yeah, man. Okay, here's the second one. Uh, this is August 9th. Okay, guess the year. Astronauts aboard the Space Shuttle Atlantis mission STS-43 use an Apple Macintosh portable computer to send what is considered the first email from space using the Apple Link online service. Atlantis astronauts Shannon Lucid and James C. Adamson sent the following message. The, the Apple email uh-huh. service? Uh, Apple Link Online Service is what it's called. And there's there's probably a little clue in here as well. But here's what they said. Hello, Earth. Greetings from the STS-43 crew. This is the first Apple Link from space. Having a great time. Wish you were here. Send Cryo and RCS. 
Hasta la vista, baby. We'll be back. <laughs> Cryo. Uh, hasta la vista. I mean, it's got to be 90s. Yep. But at uh, 96? One. 91. Ah. Dude, you were, you were within five years on both of those. Incredible. Not bad. Not bad. Off to a good start. Okay. Let's talk modern tech news. What do we got here, man? So there, there was a fun one. I, I skimmed it last night, but I didn't actually read it. Um, apparently, Musk sent a photo that was a, quote, not so subtle message to FAA regulators. And uh, from what I gathered, flicking through it, uh, so this photo is of the, um, uh, what's the name of the rocket? The, the super, super crazy, super heavy, whatever. One. Yeah. The super heavy rocket. Right. So yeah. it's a, a photo made black and white of putting two stages of the rocket together. And it, it immediately harkens, you know, from the images of, uh, skyscrapers being built and, you know, the workmen mm. sitting on, uh, beams, you know, just lofted above cities with no safety equipment whatsoever. At least that's not happening in the, uh, the rocket photo. Sorry. But, is this, this is the Falcon heavy or starship. Uh, I think it was the starship. The starship is the, uh, big one that looks like a starship. grain silo. It's the really, really big one. Yeah. Starship. Yeah. It's the starship stacked. It was when they stacked it. Oh, okay. Um, and, um, and apparently it's a shot at FAA and regulators because, and I didn't know this until I was reading through some of it, but basically like when, when skyscrapers got really popular and just started popping up everywhere and, and jobs just, you know, flooded to produce them, mm-hmm. um, they, there was like zero regulation. That's why you see yeah. photos of, you know, people just sitting on rafters, you know, <laughs> right. like a mile in the freaking sky. Right. Famous, and and uh, obviously there's one. plenty of things to push back on there, but um, I guess, I guess it was a not, again, not so subtle push uh, from Musk just saying like, if you keep over-regulating what we're trying to do here, you will heed progress. Um, and I I know that there have been a lot of like, I mean, borderline illegal, just ignore the fact that you don't have flight clearance from the FAA yeah. kind of things. But yeah, um, I don't know. I kind of liked this way he was toying with it. And we've we've talked about it before. Like I it makes me right. Where he's I'm not, pointing I'm not, out like previous precedents of Yeah, and, and I'm not gonna of, jump out yeah. and say I'm comfortable with the idea of a billionaire and his money-making company to go and just you know, be flippant in the eyes of the law. I think that's, that's a bad precedent. It's kind of ugly in general, but, but this is kind of a fun way to push back against something as opposed to just strictly lobbying and mm. throwing money at senators and congressmen, you know? Yeah. So I don't know. It was interesting and it's, it's definitely worth a read. Okay, cool, man. I actually saw a graphic the other day reading about satellites and stuff. Just, you know, you're mentioning space and, Two things on this. Um, SpaceX is buying an Internet of Things small sat company, Swarm, Swarm Technologies. Right? Yeah. 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 Some interesting stuff. And then I was trying to research, okay, what are, what are the different sizes of satellites that we have? Um, if they're going to talk about, I mean, these are particularly small. I'm trying to see uh, how big these actually are. But, but anyway, the satellites that we have currently in space range from the size of like a, a garbage truck all the way down to a shoebox, which so is cool. fascinating to me. And I'm super curious about the different 
sizes and designs and like have they decreased over time and the I'm largest sure ones of them have are the older ones or the largest ones doing different things? Why are some of them as large as a garbage truck? Different things. Uh, That would be my guess. Some of them might be the older ones. Sure. Cause tech obviously is going to make things smaller, but, but some just need to be big. Can't shoot an IBM from a shoebox. ICBM. (laughs) Sorry. Oh, did I say that out loud? But yeah, I mean, cause when you think about trying to send stuff into outer space and achieve escape velocity and all that kind of fun stuff, Payload size and weight mass matters. Oh, heck yeah. yeah. I would so think the largest think ones, my, my joke was a little more than tongue in cheek. The largest yeah, yeah. payloads are almost certainly going to be nation state backed, right? Because I mean, it may very well take an entire shuttle run to get some of those dump trucks into space or multiple runs if they're actually putting them together. But I would think that that's even more expensive. I, I don't mm-hmm. know, just guessing. But um, I, I would think anyone that's wanting or thinking that there's money to be made or research to be done by putting a satellite in space goes through some pretty extreme effort to minimize size and maximize the number you could fit into, you know, some kind of payload container. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure that stuff plays into it. (laughs) I mean, it's fascinating how, like, I don't know, there's a lot around this that I don't know. And I wish I had some time to to dig into it, but this company uh, swarm, technologies there's only 30 employees back in let's see they went live in february they had already had enough funding to finish rolling out an array of 150 satellites now, they don't <laughs> just, they don't make rockets right but they're doing no. you know, basically rideshare missions to space i, you know, I wonder if they got sp- purchased payloads. by spacex just because uh elon was happy about how they started actually sending things to space because apparently right. they sent the first four to space without getting authorization from the FCC. <laughs> <laughs> sure. <laughs> um, and then that, the next jump off point from that just in my mind was, okay, when is SpaceX's Starlink going to achieve, like, you know, the satellite internet going to achieve global coverage? Uh, that's planned to happen here in September next wow. month. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. I had heard uh, when I first heard the Swarm news that there was some speculation that they were purchasing Swarm just for um, Spectrum, which got picked apart pretty fast. But then also just some of the tech that they use in Swarm to enhance Starlink and stuff like that. Yeah, that's I'm, what it I'm looks guessing like. it's going to be more than that, though. I, I would, I don't know enough about what Swarm was doing, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if there's quite a bit in their um, bag yeah. of tech that's going to be super interesting. Though SpaceX. it's yeah. a I mean, so, I mean, I understand, I guess, why are, I don't know. Sorry. Let me get one of these sentences out. I have a lot of (laughs) kinds of questions, but they bill themselves as an internet of things, communications company. Hmm. Their whole thing there is they want to provide a, or I don't know if it's global coverage or, you know, that's just kind of geosynchronous with certain geographies or whatever. Um, But focusing on providing internet connectivity for things and devices that are out and oftentimes maybe away from a Wi-Fi connection or, you know, they don't have a cellular connection or something like that. Sure. Super interesting to see what happens here. I, I don't think it's all that surprising. I, if I'm not mistaken, though, part of the reason this raised eyebrows is that SpaceX is not a very acquisition heavy company. So mm-hmm. um, them buying this is is seen as a bit odd in general, but it seems from what we know about Swarm and from what they publish about themselves, or that has been published about them, 
that they are very communication centric, very data driven. Yeah. Um, and I, I think it's pretty obvious what part of SpaceX's portfolio that fits directly into. So you got to assume that they have some lofty plans for how they're going to expand connectivity. Right. And, uh, and I'm sure also gather data in that regard. So, yeah, I mean, it's clear they're not going after, you know, providing home internet to you from swarm. It's going to be more around asset tracking quote, sure. out in the field, right. Or sensor monitoring or something like that, right. Where you just need real low bandwidth pings out to the middle of nowhere to see if something is on or off or working or moving or yep. uh, some sort of temperature regulation or wind speed or whatever that might be. So, yeah, I would think there are a lot cool. of, uh, a lot of research, centric ideas here too. And and I'm always curious about this. It's not something you see written about too often, or at least I haven't. If somebody has seen articles or knows a good source for stuff like this, but there's there's a ton of, especially natural sciences that I'm sure the number of projects is just beyond counting that they wish they had access to satellites for, or they wish they had specialized satellites for, whether it's you know, yeah, tracking the way right? that, that water moves or the way that animals, uh, you know, herd Migrate. or, or yeah, anything like that. Point. I bet a lot of those projects, it's difficult to get sufficient funding to get you know, basically eyes in space. And I know that there are a lot of, uh, I guess, Earth-centric satellites that are cameras and stuff like that that you can. You can effectively rent and things. I mean, they're, I don't think they're inexpensive, but but I would think something like this, something that is that is small and inexpensive. I mean, shoot, they even have some of the prices and they're saying that the company produces satellites that are about 11 centimeters by 11 centimeters by 2.8 centimeters. So what is that? Wow. Like three, it's, it's less than a four inch cube, right? Yeah. Um, you're saying shoot, that's, swarm? I mean, that's, that's a swarm one inch that centimeter height. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they're tiny. That's not even yeah. a shoebox. It's, it's right. nothing. Um, well, they didn't put a banana for scale in the photo, but it <laughs> looks like little, I mean, it looks like, you know, maybe the uh, old eight track like yeah, well, I mean, or whatever <laughs> that is like, yeah, for the non-centimeter crowd. Right. So 2.54 is an inch. So that's, it's basically four inches by four inches by one inch. I mean, that's, that's tiny. That's a, that's a box of old school tapes laid flat. <laughs> yeah. So um, anyways, they're really, really, really small, but also really inexpensive. So the a tile, as they call them, is only 120 bucks. And the larger standalone, which is an eval kit, don't know what that is, it's in quotes, uh, are only 500. And it's a five-month subscription fee to use the network. That's really inexpensive, depending on how robust the communication stream is and, and how much you can actually get out of it. So you imagine you pair that with a tiny tracker, you put it on a, you know, an animal as an example again and and then you have like global coverage to watch them roam like that that's cool there's going to be a lot of stuff that is enabled by having such yeah. inexpensive access to that's a awesome. global satellite Five bucks network. a month yeah that's crazy wow so with any luck uh good stuff will come out but what i was asking about specifically if anybody knows is it does has has spacex done good things in that regard is this very much just like a giant commercial we're going to make rockets repeatably launchable for cost savings reasons and then we're going to print money by taking all of those missions you know up out of of earth's atmosphere or are they 
socially aligned and actually helping out some of the sciences as well? Are, are they helping some of the missions or, or maybe even are they getting funding from other places? Because that might just be the answer, right? Is yeah. that the funding comes from other sources and the cost of SpaceX to get those kinds of things up into that area is just lower, therefore everybody wins. I'm just curious if they're, if SpaceX has has been touted as kind of supporting that sort of, I don't know, I was going to say revenue stream, but that's kind of the antithesis of what I'm getting at. But uh, anyways, I, I'd be curious to know if they're, if SpaceX is really in support of that kind of scientific discovery, or if it really is just dollar per payload sort of aggression. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, but I am also distracted by the fact that you can go to Swarm's website and track all of their satellites live. Cool. Swarm, yeah, swarm.space slash tracking. And you get this uh, 3D view of the globe that you can rotate, click and drag that's and all nuts. that kind of stuff, zoom in, zoom out. You can see all their satellite locations. This great, is great. super cool. And what their names are, what their that's really neat. Okay, cool, man. Uh, I think we only have like four minutes left in this very short show today on a Tuesday. Uh, you got right. anything else you wanted to make sure we touch on? Uh, I did see one thing that was really funny and I wanted to bring that up. And then I think we should touch on something and it's probably good that we don't have any time to get into it. Um, but the, the first one is um, <laughs> just a, it was a headline that I saw in uh, Slashdot and uh, uh, Clive Thompson, whom I don't know, sorry if I should, uh, just it posted why they hate Google's CAPTCHAs. And uh, other than repeatedly identifying objects and just it being annoying, um, <laughs> he put together a list of basically reasons why the images, CAPTCHA images, make you feel like crap. And it made me crap <laughs> up. And All it right. just says... It like so that the high level is captcha images are never joyful vistas of human activity. These, these <laughs> they're always depressing. You know, Whitman esque oh, yeah. vigor. No, they're blurry anonymous landscapes that possess a positively Soviet and an enemy. I don't know that word. A n o m i e. Anomie. Enemy. I'm gonna have to look that one up. Anyways, he huh. put together a list of six things, and it, I looked at the article, but I didn't get to read the whole thing. Anyways, it goes into details in each one of these, which I'm totally gonna read because it's hilarious. But it just like one, they're devoid of humans. Oh, that's very true, right? <laughs> Two, the angles are all wrong. And he, I was like, I'm thinking of captures on this. <laughs> this is so God, true, right? Like even a crosswalk feels awkward. Three, they're voyeuristic, and it's like, yeah, all right, you're you're like looking through <laughs> traffic camera footage, right? Uh, four, they look like crime scene footage. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's disturbing. <laughs> but so right. Five, the grids on the photos are an alien's eye view of the world. That one I didn't resonate as much with, but I get it. Yeah, um, but and I then guess six, it makes sense. there's yeah. very little nature. And it's so true. They're always pictures of freaking roads because I would guess like 90% of CAPTCHA image like stock probably does come from traffic cameras. Uh, just because they're always on and you could get a new bus or not bus, not a bus every Dude, please, day. Please tweet this link. Oh my account. gosh. It, it's great. It's <laughs> great. So I got a huge kick out of that list because some of those things, like as soon as you read it, you're just like, oh God, like, I remember yeah, every capture image I've ever seen and it fits that categorically. <laughs> they force you to look at the world the way an AI does. It's so true. Oh, it's my favorite ones around these are like people sweating, trying to, where it's like, uh, you know, click on all, select all the squares with traffic lights, right? But then you've got a traffic yeah. light and then it's like, I love those. Yeah, it's like three pixels into the next square. And you're like, ah, do I click it? 
Yep. Oh, um, I like I like the memes, like the little TikTok memes, the videos of people doing stuff like that. Those some of those have been pretty funny. Okay, so the other one, uh, actually I have two, so they're gonna be really fast. One is apparently AI is really good at telling your race from medical scans. So these are scans what? that don't necessarily have your eyes, don't have your skin, and they don't know, quote unquote, at the top of the article that I have not finished reading yet, they don't know how it's doing it. But across a few different AI, image recognition uh, AIs, so algorithms, right? Um, they had between like 80 and 99% efficacy for guessing the race of patients based on medical scans. So think like uh, MRIs, CAT scans, uh, you know, x-rays, like things, things that we look at and we do not identify race at all. Apparently AI is getting really, really good at this. And so it's, it's raising a lot of questions about, um, you know, care and being careful about using uh, algorithms in situations where you need blindness in that regard. Sure. But then also like, how the hell is it doing it? Yeah. Um, so, so that was, that was pretty clever. And then the last thing I want to mention, and then we got to, we got to close this down. And we're not going to talk about it because we don't have time, which is probably good based on some feedback that we got. But the the bill, the infrastructure bill um, mm-hmm. that's in the U.S. Senate, um, yes, which is huge and in massively encompassing all sorts of things, uh, and also tied to a boatload of money, um, it got late uh, amendments that were aimed at regulating cryptocurrency, and mm-hmm. those those amendments have surprisingly. And I, I think even for somebody that's pretty avidly following the crypto space, I'm surprised a bit. It has gotten more flack than literally anything else in the bill. Yeah. So like think think hundreds and hundreds of pages of legislative <laughs> no, stuff. And then there's an amendment it's that says though. it's almost uh, three thousand yeah, yeah. pages. Yeah. Is it three thousand now? I think that's well two thousand eight hundred and seventy-six sure. pages or whatever is, is the bill. It, and and the only thing that has created like this huge humdrum is the attempt, because that's what it looked like at the beginning, to regulate, you know, basically proof of stake, but not proof of work, um, validators in different networks as brokers. And it, it created this huge wake in, uh, I've, I've seen a bunch of it on Reddit and on Twitter and, and in the techosphere in general, um, but, but enough pushback that at this point, it looks like a crypto amendment and anything that even talks about it is is just going to be dropped from the bill, which is pretty fascinating. Yeah. Um, so I highly suggest anybody that even has a little bit of interest in that, go read about what's happening. Go listen to different senators. Some of them have surprised me with their stance on it. But yeah, um, it, it felt like a really, like a really, really late attempt to do something about crypto, but totally disorganized, totally uninformed. And it just felt like a bit of a YOLO, right? Like we got to do something. Let's just do this. And then somebody comes in and they're like, okay, but add this word. Okay. I added the word, put it out there. And then it gets out there. It's like, none of this makes sense. And they're like, dang, I tried. Right. (laughs) Well, geez. And I'm getting like, I, 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 um, responded to Ted Cruz's thing, or I basically just retweeted what he said and then put one of the sentences that he said in his little minute and 44 thing that was posted online here. And all I'm getting is negativity back. Um, (laughs) uh, Bill saying, we don't know enough about it to regulate it. Okay, great. Tell me more, right? Uh, Anyway, because tons of people are putting money in it. I guess he's arguing that we should actually regulate it before we even talk about it. And I'm saying, 
let's not don't regulate it or let's actually regulate it. Let's just maybe like make sure that the senators actually know what they're regulating and actually know you what know, they're talking about. And then there's that's the thing, though. I, what, and what, I said, I agree to that. Well, one other thing. Sorry. The, the, no, the next right. response was um, this other guy, Sean. He said, doubtful. He's saying folks in Congress need time to load up or close out on their positions before Congress debates and oh, passes God. any legislation. That That's like, an ugly, ugly yeah, I don't know shot. about that, man. I mean, <laughs> you don't really need time. You can just exit, right? <laughs> if you well, know yeah, but they like, Ethereum, to, they like they to know which go way it's out. going, right? Um, no, yeah, I, but even, I, whatever. That's an, it, that's an interesting criticism. Um, I like it. I think it's worth digging into a little bit more. Um, uh, there is a lot of criticism on, especially the, just U.S. Congress people in general, taking advantage of uh well oh, that happens put, for it, sure. put it this way that they're they're moving securities assets in just the luckiest timing ever on yeah. things that they're literally in the process of regulating do you remember Pelosi's, bad all the damn time pelosi t- had a huge bet <laughs> on uh tesla right before they passed some sort of thing about it and then tesla right. went up just like massively right, right after and yeah stuff like, like ah. that you should spend time regulating that before you spend time regulating <laughs> yes. the things you don't understand. But so here's the, here's the thing. Like if I would, I'm going to make this comparison, then I'm going to I'm going to end yeah, this. Yeah. But then we got to go. Um, we look look at uh it, when um Curtis Bunker was on. Remember he brought up uh the the first time I had heard it the NSCAI. So the what is it the mm-hmm. National Security Council on Artificial Intelligence, right? Yeah. Wow. Look at you. Um. So I'm reading this document because their final report uh, is out. It was released um, and it is 756 pages and it's absolutely fascinating. And again, find some time, read this stuff. I wish there was an audible so I could crank it to two and a half and go. But uh, maybe I'll record an audible. There you go. Read it. Um, (laughs) Anyways, like you you read through this and you realize how purposeful uh, not just a group of people here, but the U.S. government is being in approaching the concept of artificial intelligence so as to not over or under regulate because it is so far reaching. And then, and then as a corollary, you get a global decentralized financial system worth over a trillion dollars already. And they're like, stumbling all over themselves to even communicate about it. And how do you get so grossly off track in one of those? Because I believe one of them seems to be headed in the right direction with the right people putting together recommendations. And, and their, their recommendations are very direct. It is, there should be an organization that looks like this with this name that goes after these things under the vice president of the United States with these responsibilities. This is what it looks like social. This is what it looks like in military applications. Like they're, they are comprehensive in their in their view of this. And then crypto feels like something somebody thought up while they were sitting on the toilet from a regulatory perspective. It's like, yeah, what, what the heck happened there? So it, you, it's mean you don't just, have great it's ideas so when you're in the shower. <laughs> oh, the I do. I'm just glad they don't go to the president. Um, <laughs> anyways, it was, it was really interesting this week for me to have, you know, cause I'm, I'm in the middle of reading the, the NSCAI report and then, and then see the stuff on crypto and think how, how very different these things are. Right. Like we aren't approaching them the same way at all. And and I'm not positive. Well, I, I have an opinion. I think AI is more important and more far sweeping. And we do need to be a little bit more careful with it. But I'm not going to pretend like decentralized global finance and cryptocurrency isn't big enough to seriously carry similar weight. 
So yeah, for sure, like if this isn't this isn't the scale launching crypto to the moon because AI is so heavy, it's like uh, kind of tipping to the left in my opinion, right? Yeah, one but, one point eight eight trillion market cap right now. Yeah, geez, I, yeah, exactly. Because what Bitcoin alone is it was a trillion there for a little while. So yeah, that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, it's now anyways, Bitcoin's at eight sixty four. Yeah, that's right. Um, uh, and anyways, it's just what what's going on? How right. how can we have two things that deserve scrutiny and expertise, and you only get it for one? Right. Because it's probably not even the same group of people. So, anyways, on that note, I'm shutting it down. That cool. brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. We hope you enjoyed it. Uh, have fun on your Tuesday. That's weird. I'm not sure if we're recording tomorrow, but if we do, we'll see you Wednesday. If we don't, we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing. Tell your friends, and we'll talk to you soon. We love you. <laughs> Bye.